Welcome to Melanated Diaries, where your week isn't complete unless we've got you all the way together. A podcast that brings seriousness, love, light, and compassion to topics that impact marginalized communities. Auntie, come sit in this space with us, breathe, focus, and exhale as we embark on this journey of Melanated-related conversations. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode six of Melanated Diaries. I am one of your hosts. My name is Dr. C.I., along with my other host. Jeremy J. Edmondson. What is up, everyone? Welcome. Welcome to Melanated Diaries. Y'all come and get all the way together with us as we engage you in different topics that speak to one, Blackness, but also everyday experiences and the intersections of Blackness and how we experience the world. So... With that being said, let's jump right into our melanated-related conversation. Hey. Today's topic is talking about the Black expression and bias and the root of where bias comes from when it comes to the way that we express ourselves, now whether that be in our personal or professional lives. And so I think that I'm going to toss the mic over to Jeremy to talk to y'all a little bit about what it means to have a root to something and also an expression. So Jeremy, educate us today on on, uh, what that means from your perspective. Yes, definitely. So I looked up the word root and I like the second definition, the noun of it. And it says the basic cause, source, or origin of something. And when I look up the word expression, I'm going off the first definition, uh, the noun. It says the process of making known one's thoughts or feelings. And right away, that makes me think about when we express, like, from the root of our community and how we talk and our facial expressions, how wrong people look at that. And it's seen as a threat. It's seen as ghetto. It's seen as ratchet. It's seen as not proper. So that's the first thing that pops in my head when I when I uh, think about these two words specifically. Right. And I I even want to highlight how you talked about the word ratchet. Like, it's amazing how even within our culture we will create a negative tone around slang for our own behavior. Mm. Because it's like if a girl is popping her booty or wearing short shorts and her butt is hanging out, we're like, oh, that's so ratchet, right? And it's like with a negative tone to it, and we create those even based off of certain standards that pathologize our behavior. And so what that means is when you pathologize someone's behavior, you, you talk to them in a way that tries to bring them back to a norm. So it's a form of a microaggression. And y'all know a microaggression is like a subtle slight, which says that a subtle slight towards someone's culture or their heritage and their identity and where they come from. And they can be verbal, they can be environmental, they could be nonverbal. It's like if someone says to you, oh, you speak so articulately, then that's a microaggression, right? But to pathologize someone's behavior, Jeremy and I talked about it before, is like, calm down because you think that their behavior is not acceptable and the fact that they're not the definition of what you define as calm is related to standards that we have created that are acceptable of who we are and those are rooted in whiteness definitely so going off expression right there's different ways that we can express ourselves so i express myself through t-shirts that I wear, right? So whether that's protect black women at all costs, whether that's in a Wakanda t-shirt, whatever the case may be. And going off microaggressions, I just had one happen to me yesterday morning. I'm like, is this how I'm going to start my day? Or, you know, or I'm not starting my day like this, but is this, you know, does this, 
why does it have to start like this? So I have a Wakanda bag that I purchased. It's a duffel bag, and I carry it with me every day. We could say Wakanda is not a real place, but fine. Neither is White Santa or White Jesus is what I usually respond back to people. Um, but I carry around this bag because it's it's empowering to other Black people when they see it. You know, like the the expression on their face is lovely to see. So I was talking to a friend of mine, Julian Rodriguez, and we were sitting down and I set my bag down and there was a white female uh, sitting at another table. And you can't really read the bag because the way the uh, straps are on it. So it's hard to make out the word Wakanda unless you really look at it. And she's looking at it and I see her trying to, you know, mouth it out and she's like Wakanda and she rolls her eyes and scuffs. And I was like, hold up. And then she tells her friend across the table, she's like, look at his bag. And they both look, and then they kind of roll their eyes. And I was like, uh, okay. Mind you, I really am known to cuss somebody out really quick, but I'm not trying to go to... One, I don't want someone to take me out of my character, and I don't need to go there. And it was right. early in the morning. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, how do I, how do I go about this? Because I just had an incident a week and a half ago, you know? So I was like, all right, I don't, I'm tired of yelling at people and cussing. So... I stopped her and I said, um, is there an issue with my bag? And she's like, she's like, oh, uh, um, no, I, I like your bag. And then he looks at me. He's like, oh, that's our favorite movie. I was like, well, y'all were laughing and I'm just confused by that. But OK, bye. I'm like, those little that microaggression. I was like, no, you weren't saying you like my bag. I sat there and watched you the whole time, you know. Um, so I'm like, I can't. Ex I was just expressing myself through uh, tangible things and like. You found, you still found offense to that. So tell me, like, what made you say something to her? What was that thing inside you that was like, no, nah, I can't let this ride? Honestly, I think about little black kids and I'm like, I have to start paving the way for them. You know what I mean? And also, I mean, I do have to stand up for myself. It is about standing up for myself. But it's also like, hold up, because if you're doing this to me, how many other more people are you doing this to? People of color, whether that's black or not, you know, or what other races are you doing this to? And thinking that's okay. That's That was the first thing. I was just like, hold up. No, I'm going to say something. And because I'm so quick to say something in my environment, my dance environment, I was like, I need to start speaking up outside my dance environment as much as possible too. Because sometimes I'm so uh, worn out when I'm at the, in the dance program because going back and forth with them and I'm like, oh. so by the time I leave there and I get a microaggression or I get, you know, this racist comment or whatever, I'm like, I'm too tired to even be fighting, you know? But I'm like, yeah. nah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel you on that shit because I do I used to do the same thing. I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to engage in a social media argument with anybody about a certain topic. Like I would look at shit and just hide it on my timeline before. Mm. But now I'm like, nah, if I see something, I'm going to say something like and I get it. I have to find a way to take care of myself as well because I can get very, very exhausted around, you know, having to always address things. And so I have to be super mindful about that, about the fact that I'm like, I'm going to see something and say something, but I also am not going to go on a bunch of different people's pages and say something. So I'm super mm. mindful of what I say and to who I say it to, right? But I still say whatever it is the fuck I need to say. And I also, like, I want to address something because some of y'all idiots out there, and I am calling some people idiots, will say, well, he had a Wakanda forever bag. Isn't that a microaggression? And those y'all will be the same dumbasses who say that's reverse racism. No, no, no. Let me be clear, okay? Reverse racism is not a thing. 
if you reverse something, then you overturn it, which means it didn't happen. It's like if a judge was to reverse your sentence, he would take it away. Okay, so if you reverse racism, that means you take it away. So and I'm sure there's not a person of color in the world (laughs) who doesn't want y'all to reverse racism. Okay, save us the trouble. I just thought that I make that clear because some of y'all will think the presence of Jeremy's bag is oppression. It is not. It's empowerment. Right. And you need to know the difference because his Wakanda forever existing doesn't oppress your presence. Right. Wakanda forever was something that was empowering to a culture and your people didn't have to suffer in order for that to be created. Mm. And so that means that that is the absence of oppression, but it empowered another population without disempowering you. And so be mindful and be careful. If you are a person who thinks that his representation of his bag is a microaggression, it is not. Let them have it. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. (laughs) I'm here for it, too. We ain't playing with y'all no more. We're going to express ourselves. Period. Period. And that's what a T at the end. And that's how I'm going to express myself (laughs) with my language. Yes. So, like, I guess, Jeremy, what we should uh, get back to, because we digress a little bit, but when we think about the root of expression and racial bias, like, talk a little bit about how the presence of that bag or even just another experience that you've had at all when you express yourself how people, how that relates to racial bias that you might face from other racial identities. <laughs> yes. So you talked about, you know, twerking earlier, right? And like people were like, oh, that's ratchet. I just recently choreographed a piece called Mela News, a Mela News. Y'all should know about that because that's in our podcast. And I was introducing uh, intersectionalities in that. So, and going off of bodies, uh, real people who exist, but uh, being gay and black, an athlete in black, just a female in black, and so, or African-American, whatever term they want to use. And so I have this part where it talks about how black women are taught to believe that they're overly sexual and they ask for it and they're being fast. You know, for those of you who don't know, that's a word that our community uses a lot on, I say in general, but especially on Black females. And I hear it a lot in movies like, oh, she's just being fast. So pretty much meaning that she's asking for it. Like she wants to go have sex. She wants to open her legs. And so she, her name's Taylor House. She danced to uh, Girls Need Love too. And there's a part where she like, she's on the ground. She's doing something, you know? And it's, it's, it's not about, I want to fuck you on stage. That's not what that is saying. That's not what her part was saying. And that, of course, that went over people's heads, you know? And some people are like, well, it was kind of aggressive what she was doing. I was like, first of all, we need to stop using that word mm-hmm. on black bodies, like the word aggressive, you know, and like they don't get like that was also one of my subtle like shots at them for them to at least try to consciously think about like y'all don't see that because this is a black female. We can't express ourselves through our own dancing. Y'all take it and say what's right and what's wrong about it. Mm. So, so, uh, yeah. You know, and like that's just another way. Like we can't even express ourselves like in our own in our own bodies, like in our own bodies, like how we move. And uh, and I got some eyes rolled at me like after the show. I always do. Like people come up, they don't come up to me, but they'll look at me and they roll their eyes or they just glance or glare at me, and they're so angry. And I'm like, this is just an expression. Like this is just us. But you took you chose to see what you wanted to. 
But do you do that when it comes to other dance styles? Because there is flamenco where they do use their hips more, you know? So then like this racial bias of that, like, so it's okay when there's other people, these other ethnicities or other dance styles do this. But when we do it, it's this whole, it's a, it's a whole different story. Yeah. But it's also, you know, nonverbal as well. Like the way that we do our hair sometimes or the clothes that we wear and people are like, I'm offended by those things or those clothes aren't acceptable in certain spaces. That is racial bias. It's the root of racial bias. And let me be clear. When settlers first came to this country, like when they took the fucking land from Native Americans, what they did to Native American children were they put them in boarding schools. And when they put those children in boarding schools, they cut their hair. They taught them a different language. They would punish them if they tried to practice their own culture. They made them wear suits. They all had to dress the same like they took them out of their native traditions and practices and said, this is your new culture and this is what is acceptable and how you will express yourself in language and in physical representation, right? And that was rooted in whiteness because the explorers or whoever, conquerors, what colonizers that came, enforce their standards on those populations because that's what they felt was right and they tried to erase their culture and the same thing has happened throughout history with lots of cultures whenever a country or city whatever is colonized that's usually what happens is that expression now becomes a standard based on the colonizer's expectation and so for us even racial bias i mean you can think about the way the tone of our voices if i yell in a room full of a certain population of people, usually white, they are more than likely to get intimidated and offended by my voice than if a white person yells because it's more acceptable for them to yell than it is for me to yell. But even think about the standards that have been created when it comes to silence, right? Because some cultures do practice silence and some cultures are a bit louder. But when you go to like a professional workplace in the United States, you go to a classroom in our school, public schools, private schools, what are we teaching our children? To be quiet, right? And what if that child comes from a background where their cultural practice is louder or their family likes to talk loud? You are telling them and showing them that that is wrong and that is unprofessional, which is why we talk about this, usually the standards of professionalism in America have come through colonization. And we need to talk, we need to have more conversations and actions around undoing those things. I definitely agree. And I have a situation that actually goes along with that. We were at a, I was at a dance conference, American College Dance Association, also known as ACDA. You'll probably see over 50 pieces. And I'm not going to get into the piece because that has nothing to do with this. With, it'll come up probably later on, y'all, uh, in another segment. But anyways, we always go back to the hotel room and we discuss the pieces. And so the piece was just not politically correct. It was the wrong bodies. They were talking about black lives, but they were Hispanic. And I said that just was not correct. And the songs they used were rooted in blackness and the oppression and the killings and murders of black people. So, but before we got to it, this is probably like the third show we have seen and no one said anything. And then one of the other instructors spoke up and was like, if we can, because there was two pieces that spoke about blackness. And she's like, if we can try not to, I want to say she said something like, pretty much if we can try not to like be rude and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, that was definitely a microaggression towards me. Like, because you know that I'm going to feel some type of way about these pieces, you know? Yeah. And I was like, but I didn't say anything. I was like, you know what? Fine. 
And Cheryl knows because I was talking to her before I was leaving. I was like, you know, I'm really trying not to repeat what happened last year. So anyways, uh, we're talking and then I start talking. And it just seems like when I start talking, everyone takes offense to it. And I'm like, I'm not mad. Like, if I'm mad, I usually would say I'm mad. Like, I will announce I'm mad, you know? So I'm like, me even just expressing, like, how I talk, y'all take it how y'all want to take it, mm-hmm. you know? And so that gets frustrating because I'm like, okay, so you can say you can say whatever you want to and be – because I don't like when people are passive-aggressive, but I've learned that sometimes people aren't passive-aggressive. That's just really how they talk, you know? So I just get tired explaining that. Like, this is just who I am. And they're like, why are you so mad? And just yesterday, somebody was like, smile, Jeremy. And I was like, I was hella fucking happy. First of all, like, I was singing all types of music in my head. But just because I'm not smiling and, like, giving you these jazz hands, like, I don't have to do that. Like, to, right. sh- to show that, quote, unquote, I'm happy. Like, I'm, I'm happy. I'm good. Right. right. And she, you know, that's pathologizing behavior, y'all. Like, for that person, whoever she was, to be in a room and say, let me set the standard for how this conversation is going to be acceptable. And it was a white female. Yeah. And she tried to set what was acceptable in the conversation to make herself comfortable. Right. And there, there is an opposing side to that spectrum because I'm a trainer and I often have to set the standards for expectations in a room when I am training. Like if I'm talking to someone, I want them to receive information. I don't want them screaming at me while I'm trying to give them information because I have my own set of pathologizing behavior. But my the way that I have to set standards when I am training is not meant to oppress someone's opinion. It's actually meant to create a space for everybody to voice their opinion. Even if as a trainer, I don't agree with you, right? Or even as an educator, if I don't agree with you, I still try to create a space for you to say something that doesn't necessarily, or I'm not going to say that. I still try to create a space for people to be able to speak. And that does come with its own challenges and risk, right? But it's unfortunate because to say to someone to smile is pathologizing their behavior because you're saying that to them to make yourself more comfortable. And that's not fair. Like, you you don't do that to people. I get that you want to add love and light to their life, but here's the tool. Instead of be assuming that someone is mad because they're not smiling, engage in a conversation with them first and say, how are you doing today? And if that person says they're doing great and that means they don't want to have a conversation with you, leave them the hell alone. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Period. With exclamation point. Hashtag leave me the hell alone. So, Jeremy, I guess what we could do now is talk about like a moment <coughs> where not just in our workspaces, but in your personal relationships where you felt the root of racial bias when it comes to how you expressed yourself in your social circles. Because I know as a black woman, I had to be very intentional about who I let into my social circles so that I can express myself without consequence. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, a lot of things started popping in. Well, you're it's like, ding, 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 because I know <laughs> what it is now. So I was like lighting up. Um, well, for one, for people who don't know, I really don't like kick it a lot outside of dance, I guess you can say. But when I do, uh, we will, there was a subject that came up with a group of friends and I was talking about how black people don't get hired because of their name, you know, like that can, or not always, but that can be a factor to it. You know, if they don't have a quote unquote, Ashley or a Tiffany, you know, if it's unique because of how we like to use names in our culture. And she was like, no, that's not true. And I was like, yes, that is true. And she was like, she's like, has that happened to you? And I'm like, 
well, no, because my name's Jeremy. Like, I'm not worried about that, you know? And I always, sorry, I always find myself coming in defense for my own culture, but then they want me to be the statistic. And I'm like, I don't have to be, like, just because you don't see it happening to me doesn't mean it's not happening out there. So anyways, uh, so I'm expressing that. I'm like, no, that is very true. And she's like, no, it's not. Da, da, da. She's like, where are the statistics? And, uh, so we get into it. And I was like, you know what? I was like, it's so interesting. I said, and I only hear this from white people a lot. I said, y'all are always quick to talk about statistics when it comes to black people. I said, we are a walking statistic. Did you forget the one drop rule? <laughs> mm. Did you and forget that we were not considered a whole person at one point? Right. And, you know, people, yeah, I, I don't mind getting people together when they ask me for statistics because the studies are there, okay? The data shows what happens, but here's my belief on that. People see what they want to see so they can say what they want to say. Mm. Because if the data's out there and it's in front of you and you're like, where are the statistics? <clears throat> ask If a person says that to you, say, when's the last time you looked for them? Because people don't. They don't go and look for something that disproves or pushes them out of their comfort zone. And I am, I'm going to say it again, I'm a firm believer that people see what they want to see so they can say what they want to say. And that within itself is a bias. And we all have bias. But some of us are more mindful and conscious enough to go look for something sometimes that challenges our bias, right? It's like we don't have to have selective attention, which is a form of of unconscious bias. And selective attention means that you only pay attention to certain things. And that relates to confirmation bias, which is another form of unconscious bias and the most prevalent. Because what confirmation bias says is that you only go look for things that confirm what you believe, right? And so some of y'all will only watch one news station. (laughs) Some of y'all will only listen to a certain type of podcast. And it's like, yes, everything is not black and white. There are some gray areas, but that doesn't mean that the things in the black are false. And it doesn't mean that the things in the white are true. So you have to look for both opposing sides because everything doesn't always apply to everybody. So that's just really one, because that was the most recent, and that was like a couple of months ago for me. But usually I don't even get into it about race. It's usually about like women's bodies. I've got into it about that, like a woman dressing and saying that she deserved, you know, to be raped. That, you know, but to me that goes full circle. So I think for me, the most recent I could think of and what really stung for me is when I moved to Seattle. Um, and y'all, for those of you that don't know, I live in Los Angeles now and microaggressions in Seattle that I faced are a huge reason for that. Seattle pushed me to a point where I felt like I couldn't be authentically black safely in Seattle. And I remember I had an experience where I was working for a company there and I had a Filipino coworker, a woman, And she always used to tell me to calm down. I mean, we would go out for happy hour and I would see a guy and I'm assertive, y'all. And I own that shit because I love it. And when I see I see the man and I was like, hey, what's up? And she was like, calm down, girl, you're thirsty. And I just finally was like, if you don't shut your ass up. (laughs) I was like, don't tell me to calm down again. And she looked at me. I was like, no, I'm really serious. I was like, because you won't be in my social circle if you keep doing that. And because of that, she stopped hanging out with me. And I'm like, how many times do I have to educate you about what that does to me every time you say it? So she would say it to me at hey, happy hour. She would say it to me at work. It was like her job. She made it her fucking responsibility to try to always make my behavior acceptable to how she saw fit in our professional culture. Mm. Stop doing that to your friends. And I don't talk to her till this day 
because I just used to get so sick of hearing it. And I, you know, I said it before I moved to Los Angeles because I always felt like my blackness was under attack in Seattle, even from the people in my social circles. And that shit was exhausting because y'all, I work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I deal with that all day in my professional life. I don't want to have to deal with it in my personal and social social life without having safe support systems. Cause I know it's going to happen. I just need to be able to feel supported when I get overwhelmed with it. Definitely just resonated with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just thought about that. Like, yeah, like that is what your circle's for. You're right. Especially, you know, talking to you and getting on this journey of, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion and realizing that my passion, my career ain't really doing it as much as we think we are. And so, you know, and dancers are quick to be like, we're family and we're this. My like, y'all are not my safe circle right now because y'all don't get it. So now that y'all know the root of expression and racial bias and how that impacts us in our professional spaces, Jeremy and I, we're going to have a part two. So episode number seven will be part two where we elaborate more on uh racial bias and expression in predominantly white spaces. But for now, we're going to kick it off with Mela News. I'm going to hand it over to my co-host to get y'all all the way together. Period. A. So Mela News is a little segment that Cheryl and I decided to make. And we have two phrases. Either we're here for it or we're over it. Here for it means that, you know what, we need to sit here and still discuss this. Over it means we're over discussing it over not over discussing but we're over discussing the situation and so usually even though we say here for it or over it we still do give our little opinions sometimes and sometimes we don't so you will hear that and you know if y'all like to when we talk about the topic pause it and you you know you say if you're here for it or over it and you know see who's you know where your mind's at i'll start it off uh the first one is Tanya McDowell, she went to prison for enrolling her son in the wrong school district. I am here for it as far as we need to talk about it. It reminds me of Centoya Brown. Like, how many are how many, you know, people of color are y'all doing this to, you know, for these these uh these rights that they're trying to make in their life? You know, and, you know, she's trying to enroll her son. Like, you don't know why she's trying to enroll her son into the school district. It could be the education. It could be maybe he was being bullied. Maybe his teachers. You know, I don't know. But to go to prison for that, actually, that happened. My mom didn't go to prison, but that happened to me. My mom was letting me go to school with my cousins. So she was waking up. You know, we're waking up at like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. She was dropping me off. I lived in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, she was dropping me off at my cousin's house, and I would go to school with them. These bastards... Oh my gosh. Sorry, y'all. I'm tripping right now because <laughs> anyways, it's interesting how these things come back up. Anyways, they called me to the office and I had to be in what? Second grade. I don't know anything. They called me and they were like, where do you live? And so I was like, uh, so I told them where I really lived. They called my mom. She had to come from work and they're like, he can't go here anymore. Damn. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh. That, wow. That just did something to me. But, um, yeah, that's, that's fucked up. Yeah, I'm here for this shit. And let me tell y'all why. Because of the recent college admission scandal where all of these parents bribed to get their children into high-performing universities like USC and all of these celebrities. And it was like a whole scandal and rich people and not just celebrities who were paying 
for their children to get into colleges and bribing admissions people. And that to me is pure inequity. One, the colleges need to be punished for that shit happening. And also the parents, some of those parents are facing jail time. And I'm like, y'all have put us in jail for less. But when you have money, the judicial system sometimes does work very differently for you. Right. And so I also like I'm here for it. And let me be clear. Let me be honest. There's a piece of my heart that I'm not a parent, but there's nothing my mother wouldn't do for me to succeed. Right. She wouldn't break the fucking law, though. Let's be clear. As far as I know, moms wouldn't have broke the law. But I, I empathize on the fact that these parents had the means and there's nothing that they wouldn't do for their children. I'm not that mad at that. What I'm mad at is, one, the number of children, especially low-income children, which highly relates to children of color that didn't get into college because somebody else got their spot because they had the money. That's inequity within its finest. I'm also here for it because of the issue with Tanya McDowell being sent to prison for enrolling her son in a different school district. Does the punishment fit the crime? And I don't think so, because I remember when I was in school in Omaha, Nebraska, and they used to send buses down to our poor neighborhoods to bus us out to the schools out in white neighborhoods. Right. So me and my seven or 10 friends would sit on a, a bus stop every morning waiting for the bus to come get us to transfer us to different schools because we fit into a certain district that helped them fill a quota. Mm. And so I'm here for all of that because. We do need to have conversations about spaces that are safe, but we also need to have conversations about processes that are safe, especially for people from marginalized identities and especially mothers in low income, because I don't know if y'all know, but children and women are the poorest populations in the world. So how can we sentence a single mother to prison for enrolling her son in a different school district? That's just fucked up. So I'm here for that. All right. The second one. Now, this one break my heart a little bit, y'all. It might even cause me to get a little emotional, so y'all bear with me. But it talked about how African babies back in the 1800s and to the 1900s were used as alligator bait. Um, and they were also called gator bait because their u- alligator skin was very popular and expensive back then. And so the people who used to hunt alligators would lose arms and legs and limbs, etc., And so instead of wanting to lose their limbs, they would take the babies of slaves and use them as bait in order to attract alligators. I tell you what, I'm here for it because that should break my heart to think about the fact that you would take innocent children and put them, put their lives in danger, especially young African children. But and it also happened in South America and I'm sorry, in states like Louisiana and Florida. And that should just break my heart. I'm over it, actually. I'm over it. Yeah, I'm. I'm here for it as far as it's it's history that it's history that we need or I don't know if me, but these these heartbreaking stories or this heartbreaking history that pops up out of nowhere. I'm like, OK, are y'all just releasing this out of a out of a safe thing out of nowhere? Like, you know, but anyways, I'm here for it because it doesn't liberate me, but it does do something for me. And I haven't found out what that is when I hear about these horrific events. Uh, and I was born in Louisiana. And right before uh, I got home, I was thinking, I stopped by Walmart, and I was like, damn, like, we really are walking history. I say that about Black people because of the trauma, you know? Like, if my lineage is in Louisiana, like, 
I mean, obviously they weren't still putting kids there. I was born in 1991, but how close was I to that? You know? Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's why I'm here for it. And I, I like, it makes me think recently I saw the lynching memorial that's in Montgomery, Alabama, and someone had posted a video about it. And Jeremy, that really triggered me when you said we are walking history. Right. And to be clear, our history did not start as slaves. That's just the history that starts for us in America. Like y'all kidnap doctors and lawyers and teachers, you know? But when I think about like, when you say we are walking history, I have to think about American history because that's where I was born. And when I saw the lynching memorial in Montgomery, Alabama, y'all, I couldn't help but cry because it, it does show we have some beautiful history in the United States, but we also have some horrific history. And the horrific history in this country usually didn't begin with us. You know what I'm saying? It just happened to us. And so I, I just I think about that all the time, which I said I'm over it. I'm over the way history has been written and not just that, but how, how it has been, how it came into practice. But I'm, I'm here for changing it. Mm. All righty. Our next one. Hold on, I got to do a little shake. That was a that was a <laughs> that was heavy. <laughs> um, all righty. The next one is uh, in a debate over Arkansas's stand your ground laws, state senator. Stephanie Flowers gave a passionate speech defending the lives of black children. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I love, y'all know, black women are just, that's it's my thing. It's my thing. And she got him together. Like, got him together, y'all. Like, and it's such a, it was like, in such a, like, a motherly way. Like, I was like, yes, like, tell him, because he don't get it. So I'm here for it. I'm here for it, too. Everything that Jeremy said, I don't even need to elaborate on it. I'm here for it. I'm here for how she related that to her son and, mm. you know, her children and how she worried about the fact that her children would come home, wouldn't come home because their lives were in danger. Um, and so I, I'm just here for it. All right. The last one. Jay-Z and Rock Nation helped to dismiss the case of an 11-year-old boy, Jabari Talbert, who refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance in Florida. He told his teacher that he refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And this woman was a substitute or this person was a substitute. And she told him to go back to where he came from. And he said, you brought me here. I'm here for that. Because this is not the first time that I've see, heard about injustices happening, especially to young black children in the state of Florida. And so I just, we need to change our educational system and how we impose certain historic traditions on our children when that may not be who they are and so i am i'm here for that because where's his freedom of speech mm. you know like if we like this is why we not free right because if we express ourselves through speech we more than likely to end up end up punished for it you think about colin kaepernick you think about young jabari and so freedom of speech should apply to all human beings but unfortunately the application is very different depending on what you look like so i'm here for that period i mean Everything show just said, but I'm definitely here for it. It's a black male, you know, a celebrity at that. I was like, yeah, like I'm, it warms my heart, you know? And also going back, cause I told you, you said what like made me tell that woman, white woman, you know, about my Wakanda bag. And I was like, you know, black children, but you know what? Our black youth are out here doing their thing, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I'm definitely here for it. I'm not here for the fact that how comfortable the teacher was to say, go back to where you came from. Right. Like, like bitch, you a substitute. <laughs> go back to where you came from. Right. Because that means they called you at six o'clock, seven o'clock this morning. I know how that works. 
baby girl, let me tell you, I'll fill you in. You were, you know, and it doesn't mean you're the first one called, but I'm not going to read her today. <laughs> right. And we ain't hating on substitute <laughs> teachers. Teachers have it hard. Y'all do a good job. But we, we don't have no tolerance for this woman who said that to this young boy. I'm sorry. We're not accepting that. We have no acceptance for this teacher who said this to this young boy. So, you know, if you hear this, just know that we are not on your side. All right, everyone. So that is episode six of Melanated Diaries. I hope we got you all the way together. And if we didn't, there is a part two that will snatch off your wig. What? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but... Lace fronts and all. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, please don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, and of course, listen to us on, we are now on iTunes, we are on SoundCloud, and we are on Buzzsprout. We are also on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes, and it's Melanated Diaries on all three, so y'all just check us out. Love y'all. It was great talking to y'all. I hope that we brought you some education today and some relation. Thank you for tuning in to our Melanated Related Conversations. See you soon. Good night. Good night, hunty. Thank you for tuning in to Melanated Diaries, a space where we get together to get you all the way together. Come vibe with us next week as we reflect on a new topic. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jeremy. Love y'all. Hunty, good day.